0: Well, we need to look at the psychological implications of what we've been talking about in Romans 6. We must never forget that. It's uh, so, uh, such a tendency among Christians to get their doctrine right and their teaching and say, OK, I've got it, I understand it, I believe it. But without the understanding of how faith affects our minds, uh, we've kind of missed the point. So let's try to do that a little bit more today. Um, we're looking at this passage that says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Now, we talked about this yesterday or, or the, in the last program, um, and we learned that Uh, sin is not something we do simply it is something that does us because it's reigning this word reigning is very important it implies paul is uh, thinking in terms of a kingdom and a, a, a king that rules uh, he's talking of course about the kingdom of adam the uh, kingdom of adam that is described in romans 5 verses 12 to uh, to 21 there and uh, uh, so all that flows All that is expressed in Romans 6 flows out of that uh, truth about the kingdom. So the point that I'm coming to psychologically is this. When you are dealing with a struggle with sin or a struggle with addiction like drugs or alcohol and you keep praying to God as a Christian, oh God, please help me to overcome, please help me to say no to this, please, please, please. I want to suggest that you stop praying like that, because for one thing, it's an anxiety prayer, uh, begging God as if he weren't willing, as if he weren't interested, as if you have to get his attention, as it were. But also, it forgets who we are. The question is not, what am I doing? But who am I? Because, you see, the verse implies a certain sense of identity. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Well, you say, how does that imply identity? Well, because Paul is talking about the two kingdoms, as I mentioned, the kingdom of Adam, which is the kingdom of sin and death. It brought sin and death upon us all. And the kingdom of Christ, which brings justification and life to us all now the question is which kingdom am I living in which extends to the question who am I am am I a son or daughter of Adam or am I a son or daughter of the second Adam Jesus Christ am I a son or daughter of the fallen Adam where guilt shame fear and failure identify me or am I a son or daughter of the kingdom of Christ who has justified me, declared me innocent, and given me life so that my identity is no longer a sinner but a, but righteous in him? Now, this takes us further. When you're dealing with your issue of addiction or compulsive uh, behavior or obsessive thoughts, And you're fighting to get rid of them or get out of them or stop them. Who is it that's fighting? Is it you as a fallen creature? You in your flesh, you still in your carnality? Or is it you as a follower of Jesus Christ, born again, as a man or woman of the kingdom of Christ? Do you see that in some ways, or rather not in some ways, but in many ways, many Christians are seeking to overcome sin by the flesh? In other words, they're trying to overcome the flesh by the flesh. It's impossible to do that. We are our flesh. We are our humanity. We are uh, broken and wounded and fallen and uh, dysfunctional. But by faith in Jesus Christ, we are not counted as any of those things. And so we look to Christ and say, Dear dear Jesus, dear Father in heaven, the issue is not my sin and my battle with it, but the issue is, who am I? And I know who I am, dear God, and I want to keep affirming it every day as I read your word, as I pray to you, as I open my heart to you. I am a redeemed man, and I am counted as righteous, and none of my brokenness is counted against me. And I live in the kingdom of Christ, not in the kingdom of Adam. And therefore I am free to say, even if I... Full half an hour from now, I am free to say at this moment that sin does not reign, not because of my psychological makeup, because my psychological makeup is broken, but sin does not reign because of what Christ has done for me, and by faith I apply that to my broken psychology therefore do not let sin reign in your body mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts so you see the priority is shifted the priority is not overcoming a sin but the priority is establishing who i am now this is seems counterintuitive When we are dealing with a sin and a compulsive habit uh, or an addiction, it seems so massively urgent to put all our forces and concentration on that issue and break the power of it. But let me tell you that there is as much an addictive force in overcoming an addiction as there is in indulging it. If we keep concentrating on it as if it were a power that is greater than us still and that it can condemn us and that it identifies us and condemns us, then we are actually addicted to overcoming. Do you get that? We are obsessed by overcoming. It becomes our modus operandi. It becomes our identity, but that is not our identity, is it? Our identity is not that we have, are dead to sin. Our identity is that we are resurrected in Jesus Christ. And so, you see, there has to be a shifting of priorities. And so, and again, as I say, that's counterproductive, uh, counterintuitive. So what is the shifting of the priority? It is to who I am in Christ It is to my fellowship with Jesus. It is to my opening his word each day, not in a legalistic sense. I've got to read so many verses or so many chapters to do a year's, you know, that thing, uh, that uh, reading the Bible in a year kind of stuff. It is finding those areas in the Bible that you can meditate on, that you can commune with Jesus on. And I might say, it's not just reading those passages so that they spiritualize you or make you uh, more uh, concentrated on heavenly things than earthly things. It's fellowship. For instance, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Now, how about changing that a little? And saying, Lord, you are my shepherd. And with you, I don't need anything else, really. You make me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside the still waters. You restore my soul, dear God. Thank you so much. And so, you see, the, the verses can be worked with by your spirit of faith. And as you work with them, they become so much more intimate and so much more personal, you and God having a conversation. Now, this is the, sh- the shifting of priorities, do you see? When that priority is shifted from obsession with overcoming addiction to the joy of being with the Lord, then that obsession begins to change its character. And that is the obsession with overcoming. It becomes less of an obsession. The failures become less dramatic. Or let's put it this way. The reaction to the failures become less dramatic. Oh, God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Oh, God, help me not to do this again. No, none of that. But, Father, I failed, but I thank you that I'm still your child. I thank you that there's no condemnation. I thank you that you are walking with me through this thing. And so what happens is that establishing your identity in the kingdom of Christ, recognizing by faith that this thing does not reign, reduces its power indirectly. Do you see? Instead of direct concentration on it, you don't do that because that gives power to the addiction. To focus so much on it gives power to it. But to focus on Christ implies, indirectly, that the addiction isn't the boss. The addiction isn't the priority. The addiction can go to hell where it belongs. The addiction is already overcome by the fact of Christ's victory for you. And remember what I said in regard to the addiction being overcome already by Christ. You say, well, what difference does that make? It makes this difference that the power of addiction is the guilt, as I've said before the guilt, the fear, and the shame. The guilt, the shame, and the fear. That's the order I usually put it in. When we sin, we feel guilty. Then we feel ashamed. And then we feel afraid that it will control us altogether or that people will find out or whatever it may be, that fear. Those three dark, that, that dark trio, guilt, shame and fear, is at the core of addiction. And how do you get it, get rid of it? How do you get free from guilt, shame and fear if you're simply concentrating on the addiction as if your flesh could overcome it? But if you're concentrating on your new kingdom, the kingdom in which you belong now, the kingdom of Christ, ah, then that's a different thing. Because in the kingdom of Christ, where you are declared innocent and justified and righteous and resurrected, there is no guilt, shame, and fear. You can affirm, Father, I thank you that you have freed me from guilt, shame, and fear, even though the bones are rattling still inside, the guilt, shame, and fear bones. They're dead. You are alive with Christ. This is how it is, you see. So then Paul says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Now, we do this sometimes, and we don't do it at others. We're not consistent. Let's accept that fact. Some people try to be consistent 24-7, and they are sort of reined up to anxiety every single moment. I've got to think about Christ. I've got to think about Christ. But let me tell you this. Christ is thinking about you, and that's what's important. Thanks for joining me today. Colin Cook here, and you've been listening to my program, How It Happens, which you can hear on the radio, by the way, on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning. But you can also hear the program on your smartphone or other remote device. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com, and key in how it happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And would you consider an end-of-year donation? Uh, The the donations of all the year are tax-deductible. If you wish to have a tax-deductible receipt, please request it. I don't send them out unless requested because most people don't want it. Send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Thanks. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.